Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. I want to pause right here and just say a special welcome to our Windsor campus. Hi, everybody. Uh, We're kind of combining this weekend uh, for kind of this core value talk and kind of the launch of vision for 2024. And so we're glad that you're with us and that I get to be with you as well. We'll be kicking it back over to Pastor John here in a little while. I want to talk to you a little bit about our core values as a church and not, not in a boring sense, like a list of things you need to do. That's not what this is. It's more an, a concept of attitudes that help us navigate in a world that's changing rapidly. And I mean, I want us to really think about 2024 as a year when we give our all to these concepts. And it's not gonna be easy to do it. I'm, I've already tried to apply this to my life and I have failed on two of them in the last two days. And and I I just said, oh man, why am I preaching on this? Uh, But I wanna talk to you from my heart and I want you to know that it's not gonna be easy. But I, I believe we can do it. And these are values that we've registered to our staff as a church that we have and we hold dear and we wanna live them out. I communicated this to our church in my little weekly newsletter that I send out, so some of you maybe have already heard me tell the story through writing, but, but I, wanna, I wanna use it again as a springboard for this message. I was sitting at a table in Arizona, and it was 65 degrees outside. Uh, we, our kids, a couple of our kids lived there, and our youngest joined us, and we had Christmas there. It was really a nice time. And we have six grandkids, and three of them are girls, three are boys, and one of the five-year-old granddaughters was drawing. It was a pad similar to this, and she was drawing, and she had all these colored pencils out and crayons out, and she was making all of us different things, and she wanted to make me something, and I'm sitting right here, and she's sitting here, and she starts doing this, and she's coloring, and she's going and going, and I would say maybe 30 or 40 seconds in, she stops and looks at it. I'm, I'm gonna start over. And I said, okay, that's fine. And it stuck with me. Like all day, I had this, I had this vision in my heart of what it means to start over. What does it actually mean when God gives us an opportunity to think about starting over. Now, just for you realists in the room, and I'm there too, I realize there are some things where it's pretty hard to come back from. You can't always just start over and undo what has happened or we would live that way, but I think there's some things in our lives that we can draw a new line and start again. And so I want you to listen and and open up your heart to what it means to be someone who can Start again. Pastor Donnie last weekend, didn't he do a great job? Talked about hope, and are you even willing to believe that you can have hope in our world? Some big things. This could be a big year, and I say that every year, but 
There's a lot happening on the world stage. Would you agree? A lot of stuff. And I don't want to just get numb to it. I want us to keep praying over it. And man, it's big and it's a political year and election year and all the stuff that we're going to have to endure and go through and listen to and checking our attitudes and our hearts and are we representing the good of the kingdom of God, all of that stuff, but I don't want to lose hope. And I, I came across Philippians 2. It's, it's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a favorite verse in the Bible. It depends on like the day. <laughs> it depends on my mood. How many of you are like that? It's like I go to the Psalms for this and I go here for this, but if I want to be challenged in my life, here's a passage that I go to regularly. And it's in Philippians 2, and it's talking about Jesus and what he did for us. And I want to read it, and I want you to really ponder it. It says, this is, this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi, don't be selfish. He's talking to the people there, and they were wonderful people in Philippi. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as even better than yourself. Well, boy, that's, that's not what we're taught. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, and here's, here's where it boggles my mind, honestly. Though he was God, in other words, there's no power bigger. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, like, like I can't give this up because it's the most important thing to me. It's my identity. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Oh my, we can't even comprehend that. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Now when you're God, becoming human is not a big leap of joy but it was for Jesus. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. All of these things are describing this one name, Jesus. And just one more section. Therefore God elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Let me start with the five things that are part of our value system here at Timberline, and I hope they're my values personally, and I hope they're yours. Number one is being real. R-E-A-L. If Philippians 2 teaches us anything, it's that Jesus came from God and heaven to being real. Human form, nothing special. We've just come through Christmas and the whole series and the whole idea and the whole concept was it was not very kingly the way he was born. Just, just a lot of dirt and dust and barns and people and donkey rides and a bunch of stuff that kings wouldn't do. He was real. Have you ever had someone say, keep it real? What do they mean when they say that? What do you think? Like, don't try to be fake about it. Don't try to pretend. You know, just be authentic. That would be a good word. What we say at Timberline is, 
real is to strive to be authentic, honest, and humble. That's kind of the tagline that goes with that particular core value. And then we talk about speaking the truth in respectful ways. We talk about core versus image. Now, I try to do this once every few years because I, it's easy to forget and it's a reminder for me as well. But I like to kind of position myself and say, okay, this is, this is where I'm at and this is, this is who I am at my core right here. This is what, how God sees me. He sees everything about me, the truth about me, and you don't see that. You don't know my thoughts. You don't know my wandering thoughts. You don't know if I have greed or lust or envy or jealousy. You don't really know that about me unless you were really close uh, with me and doing life with me. You wouldn't know that. But in my core, God knows this. But this over here is the image of me. And this is what you know of me way more than you know of the core of me. And, And the image of me is what I want you to believe is true about me. I am a positive person. I love being a pastor. Do you guys believe that's true? It's true. You know, I see John Cook over here. I worked with this guy for how many years? 35, 40 years, counting Denver. He knows that's true of me. He knows me really well. But there are some things that I want you to believe about me that I'm still working on. You know, that I really have it all together, that our marriage is perfect, and that I'm like the perfect husband. But God knows the core of me, and so does Bonnie, my wife. And all of that would not be true. And so what happens is we live in a culture. Now, I want you to think about this. We live in a culture right now. It's always been this way, but I don't think it's ever been so much this way, where we can read books and posts on how to work on our image, how to make people believe you are something, whether you are or not, instead of working on our core so that we are living in the truth of who we really are and what we're created to be by God. And this gets scary because there's a gap between my core and my image. Now I'm gonna tell you this flat out. All of you have a gap. Everyone does. But how big is it? That's why we gasp when someone betrays their image and we thought they were honest and they embezzled money. And we go, what? That can't be true. It can't be. I believed that about them. It's because they let their image get too far away from their core. And God wants you to work on your core. That's being real. And so my challenge this year is gonna be to continue to make that gap as little as possible. Every now and then I I get off over here, but but I wanna be pulled back and I wanna say, God, woe is me. I I wanna repeat what some of the prophets said when when they recognized that they were naked before God. He saw everything about them. And when you have that revelation and you know that you cannot hide, what do you do? You, you feel like falling in front of God and saying, I have sinned. I don't know what else I can do, but I come to you and I need your grace. I want to live in my core. How many of you have heard of AI? 
artificial intelligence. So, when, you're, when my face pops up on your phone and it says, hi, this is Derry Northrup from Timberline Church. I need you to send some money. You can know that it is not me. Deal? Just this week, again, this, is, this has happened multiple times here at Timberline when people make Facebook pages, accounts with me standing in front of our church and I'm saying hi and all of this and another thing went out this week and we tried to kill it and all this and I don't know why but it's not, I'm never gonna email you and ask you for money, ever. That's not me, it scares me half to death. I never thought as a pastor I'd be dealing with that kind of stuff. Let me dedicate babies and baptize people and do weddings and stuff like that. I don't like this stuff, right? How many of you are with me? It's scary, it's scary. Oh, it's fake. It's fake. If people worked this hard on a real job, instead of being criminals, they'd be wealthy. It's amazing. I want to watch for that. Why? Because it's the image of being true, but it's not true. It's not real. It's fake. We have so many fake things. Now I get your posts on Facebook and Instagram and it's the best picture ever and the best memory and the best everything and I get that. There's a place for all of that but your life is not as good as it looks like on Facebook. I'm telling you right now. Doesn't mean it's fake. You had those moments. But how many of you understand what I'm saying? I want us this year to understand what is real and what is valuable because that is valuable. That's why it's called a core value, is because being real and authentic before God means everything to God. It means everything to God. Everything else is fake. You don't want that. I don't want that. We must resist that. Don't even lean in a little bit to that. And this is all of the stuff I'm going to say today. It's not about trying harder because trying harder doesn't work. I've learned. Let me give you a key two words for me that I use. More surrender. I can't just try harder. I fail every time I try harder. It drives me crazy. It's like, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. No, I can't, no, I can't. Because it's not doing it in my own strength that allows me to live in my core. It's surrendering to God and being able to say, I surrender my life to such a degree that I don't chase after that anymore. Very, very important. Wow, that's only point one. <laughs> I want to genuinely seek to understand other points of view, and that's being real. And I'm not always right. Let's move on to this next one because it's, it's very important. All of these are important. They all start with R, which is easy to remember. It's the word relevant. I won't spend as much time on some of these words as others, but the word relevant, and, and here's, what, here's what the Timberline value is. Seek to share the life and love of Jesus collectively, intentionally, and practically. Seek to share the life and love of Jesus collectively, intentionally, and practically. So I have a question for you. Is Jesus Christ relevant in our world today? Because I've read a lot of articles, a lot of journals that say Jesus is no more 
He has no more relevancy. The world has just dropped off too far to grasp that it boils down to faith in a man who came who was born of a virgin. It's almost like there's so much apathy about the story. It scares me half to death because that's exactly how Satan works and that's exactly what he wants. He wants to draw you into a slumber so that you become apathetic about the person of Jesus Christ. Because it's the person of Jesus Christ that means everything for every human on the face of the earth. You say, well, I don't know if I you know, believe that. Well, someday you will. We just, we just read it. Well, I don't believe the Bible. I could keep going backwards. You know, when I really gave my life, I was born a Christian, <laughs> in, a, in a sense, I, a Christian home. But, but it, even in my junior high, high school, college years, when I really decided this was true, it was because of science. It was because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get past this first law of science that something cannot come from nothing. And it's a very important law for science. And I, I just couldn't get to the Big Bang Theory. I just couldn't get to evolution. I just couldn't get there because it didn't make sense scientifically. Forget the Bible. It just, just couldn't be real. It couldn't be true. And, and so all of these things started to boggle up in my mind. And when I finally went back far enough with all the why, 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 it boils down to, I think Jesus, <laughs> it's my opinion, I think he's the answer to the world, but I think it needs to be in relevancy. What we believe about Jesus really does matter. Here's some ways that we can make Jesus relevant in our culture, and Christians don't often do these things. And I'm challenging us, I know I am, and I'm pushing hard, but I want you to think about them. I have four or five things here. One is just giving, being a giving person. I don't mean just money, but I mean just your energy, your life, are you, are you a giving? Do you say there you are? Do you have a, an attitude that when you walk into a room, you see the need, you care about the need, you, you cross the parking lot and see the trash and pick it up, or you take the grocery cart back, or you, you, you do these things that are just triggered in your mind because your nature is the nature of God, and it's a giving nature. Things like listening. <laughs> this is... This is interesting for a guy who's standing up here talking for 25 minutes, right? But I'm really, I'm really thinking about listening and the art of listening. And sometimes that's all your neighbor needs. You don't have to be smart to listen, do you? You have to be brilliant to just listen. Think about it. It's a very important tool that Christians don't use much. Sharing. Sharing life experiences, sharing what I have, sharing what I can offer when invited. Not forcing, but sharing. Going. We're a church that goes. We, we go to neighborhoods, we go to needs, we go to the world, we go to, we chase after these needs. We find them. People call us all the time. Would you guys consider doing this? And we constantly try to lead with, yes, if it fits in the genre of what we're about as a church and our DNA, we try to lead with yes. Because we want to be a church that is going. How about waiting? Some of you don't wait very well. <laughs> my, my six fingers are pointing at me, right? Waiting, waiting. Number three, relational. 
a core value of being relational. Now, we're a church that's very relational. I'm relational. Our personality as a church is relational. I want to get to know you. I want to see you smile. I want to be involved. I want to get engaged in, in life with people. Our, our small group launched January 21 coming up. And, and for some of you who want to play pickleball, ride bicycles, all this stuff that's coming up, we want you to do that with people that you get to know, relational. Here's what we say about it. We build relationships with people to make an impact in our community and around the world. You impact me. I, I, I just went through the, the, the cards that I got from so many of you for Christmas uh, that, came, that came a few days late, because I've been gone. And I'm telling you, you touch me. And the things you say in, in, in these Christmas cards and your family picture and all of that stuff, you might think, well that doesn't really matter. Yeah, it matters to me. It touches me. And, and that's what we, what we do as a church, is we, we have relationship together. And how can we deepen those relationships and things like honest communication, active listening, which we've talked about, going above and beyond what's expected. Have you ever shocked someone that you just went beyond what was expected in your job? Well, we didn't, I didn't even ask you to do that. Oh, I know, no big deal. Just, I was just there and thought I would grab that for you. Caring for each other even when it doesn't go our way. Well, this is what I want, but that's not what the boss said, so I guess we'll have to do it that way. So stupid. <laughs> right? Prioritizing conflict resolution. Wow. Okay, haunting question, you ready? Have we become too callous to even care about having peace in our relationships? Have you gotten to the point that there's such calluses on your heart that you just basically can say, I don't really give a rip. Now I get it when there's someone that has shown you there is no hope for a restored relationship, I do, I get it. I'm, I thank God I don't have, I don't know if I have any of those, but I've, I've been on that cusp. But I wanna care about relationships, and I wanna resolve any conflict that I may have created or someone else has created in me. I, I, that's why Jesus jumps into these conversations. His disciples are over here in a little huddle arguing about who's the, who's the greatest. And he like, all the time, read it in the Gospels, he walks up, he's like, um, hey, boys, what you talking about? <laughs> it's like, oh, nothing. <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, the greatest will be like the least. The first will be the last. And they're like, oh, <laughs> not what we expected, I guess. How about washing feet? Relationships that, are okay washing feet, caring for others at, in an extreme way. Number four, responsive. What does it mean to be responsive? I, I think about this one and I think about, our, our statement says this, promptly respond to the needs of others with consideration and attentiveness. With consideration and attentiveness. We try to do this as a church. I want you to try to do this as a neighbor, as a coworker, as a friend, as a, 
a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to just live responsive? I'll, I'll tell you something, honestly. I, I get a lot of joy out of being able sometimes to meet someone's personal need. Like, I really do. I really like it when I get to say yes to something who's asking something from Timberline or a need that I can personally do or a place I can go or a wedding I can say yes to. Or a, I really do. It makes me so happy. I love it when I can be responsive. And I, and I wonder if you do. I wonder our, if our culture is losing its ability to actually get joy from serving someone else. Or is it slowly becoming all my joy comes from getting what I want? Just think about it. We're just being pushed as a culture to constantly think about number one, good old me. Instead of having this something of a character, a God characteristic that says, caring about the needs of others greater than my own need. Jesus thinking it not above to leave heaven and come to earth, thinking about lowering, you know, giving up his divine rights. I can't even, I can't even fully imagine that. Last year, you won't remember this, but I do, we started the year in this message, kind of a vision message for Timberline with the three little words, follow the nudge. And I talked to you about what it meant to be someone who was listening to the Spirit and following the nudge when you, you just had this moment when you said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna go fix that, I'm gonna call them, I'm gonna write them a note. That's what this is. Being responsive just means I'm gonna care deeply about helping someone. And then fifthly, respectful. Now this one's pretty challenging. And I'm gonna push on it, because I'm, I'm living this. I'm living this right now with, with a couple situations. But here's what we say about respectful. We value all people, recognizing that everyone is a different place in their journey with God. All of you are in a different place in your journey with God today. No one is where I am, I am not where you are, and it doesn't mean someone is farther along. It might be that the people who think they're farther along really are not farther along. Or they wouldn't think that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? And so, so I need to pay attention to where I am in this. Is there such a thing as losing respect for someone? Please say yes. Have you ever lost respect for someone? Boy, I have. They shocked me. I saw them over here on this image and that wasn't their core. And when the truth came out, I lost respect. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't even want to be their friend. But let me ask you this. Even when I lose respect for someone, can I still be respectful that they are a human being? That's what we're lacking in our world today. People are equating the loss of respect with the fact that I don't have to be respectful of you. Matter of fact, I can be mean, I can target you, I can bully you because I've lost respect for you. And that's not true in the kingdom of God. You might have to confront someone, but you can still be respectful in how you do it. They are created in the image of God just like you are, whether they accept that or are living in their fullest potential or not. And that's imperative for us 
as Christians, as followers, have, trying to have an example. In our community, you're not gonna get very far unless you show people that you can be respectful of their opinion and not call them stupid if they have a different opinion than you. But that's what's happening in our culture. It's like people go into a rage in like three seconds if they disagree with each other. Instead of sitting down, as the Bible says, let us reason together. <laughs> there's, there's power in our ability to look at a different viewpoint. A different, you know, they, people come, I, I've, I have friends in our community that are not from America that have a completely different culture than what I, I grew up in, a completely different understanding than I do, completely different paradigm of thought. When, when we were working largely with some missionaries in the Philippines, mostly Manila, we took a, a couple teams there, and I went on a couple of those trips, and one of the, we wanted to really do a, we wanted to build a Bible school there, and they really needed it. They had a lot of students, and anyway, when we went, the missionary sat me down, because he knew me well, and he said, okay, Pastor Derry, here's what I want to tell you. In the Philippines, when you sit down with these leaders, don't get to the point quickly. Their expectation and their culture is that you sit with them and you have some tea or coffee and some snacks and, and you just talk about life. You don't jump into the reason we're here. That is so hard for me. Like we get there and we go in and we sit down. I'm like, hi, we meet everybody and I'm all excited about building the Bible school and, 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 and they start talking and, and like we're like 15 minutes in. I've heard about this and that and what's going on and the weather and all that. And I, finally I just, I just said, hey, well, we're real excited because I thought it's been long enough. We're real excited to get here with the team and, and the missionary kind of elbowed me and said, so tell us a little more about your children. I don't want to know about his kids, okay? I just want to tell him what we want to do here. I was wrong. And I wasn't sensitive to the culture. And I wasn't being respectful in the way they viewed it. And so I learned. And I just sat there and waited and waited Five more minutes. <laughs> An hour in, we got it done. What was wrong with me that I couldn't embrace a cultural rule and give up the way I like doing things? What was wrong with me, you guys? I wasn't being sensitive. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. And what, what I wanted to tell them, I was so excited about because we were bringing money to do it and it was going to make a difference in evangelism and all that excitement goes out the window. What you have to offer someone means nothing if you bypass the relationship with them. Right? If you're with me, say yes. Don't be selfish. That's what it says. Before I read Philippians 2, you guys in Windsor? I'm gonna pass this over to Pastor John right now. Pastor John, come on up and wrap this up talking about some of your cultural things right in Windsor.
Thank you, guys. Have a great day. So I know I'm setting things up a bit. Don't worry, this isn't going to be that long. Um, who can tell me uh, the four words that are written right outside on those windows? What are those four words? Just shout them out. Fun church, serious mission. Well, it's pretty easy for us to envision what a fun church means. What's our serious mission? Well, I think you can actually read it right before you enter those double doors in the main entrance. It says, our mission is to spend our lives sharing the life and love of Jesus. Did you catch that? Spend our lives sharing the life and love of Jesus. That is a vital, inseparable part of our serious mission. We don't exist as a church living out these five core values that Pastor Derry talked about just for the benefit of ourselves so that we can be full and happy and, and maybe if we have some overflow, allowing it to drip onto others. We're supposed to spend our lives, all of our lives, all aspects of our lives. So I want to return yet again to the passage Pastor Derry was talking about, not to read it for time's sake, but, but for us to focus that that's on the why and the how. How are we supposed to be spent? Why are we supposed to be spent? Philippians 2 is the heart of this. Jesus sacrificed. He spent himself. He emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. The, the translation that Pastor Dare used, the New Living Translation, says it like this. He gave up the divine privileges that had rightly been his. He gave of himself. He spent himself. And that is the only reason we as Christians can afford to be spent. That's the only reason we can afford this, and more on that in the end. But even though we're talking a bit about being spent and spending ourselves, I want to make it clear right off the bat that, that we, it still has an element of sustainability and priorities and overall health. We are not looking to be a church that, that spends ourselves to the point where all personal health and families become just casualties of doing good things. So those things do matter. And being spent also involves an element of faith going beyond your comfort zone, going beyond what you can do on your own strength. If you find that you're living, you're serving, you're giving, and it's all from what you can personally afford to do, where are you gonna expect a miracle to show up in your life? You're doing what you can afford to do. Your, your tank is never running on desperation, on empty. So, so yes, we're talking about priorities and we're also talking about faith. God, do in me what I could never afford to do in myself. The reason I can afford to look out for others and not look out for number one, like Pastor Derry was talking about, is because I have a God that I can trust, will provide every needs and a church that's gonna come alongside of me, going beyond what I can naturally afford but I'm doing something good, why is it so hard? Have you ever said something like that? I know I have, quite often in fact. Amber Knowles, she's an executive director of the Riverside Project in Houston. It's this collaborative venture for vulnerable children and families. She recently said this to a group that I was a part of. Things that matter are hard. Things that matter are hard. This northern Colorado, right now, this region is a mission that calls for 
our best, church. The church needs to be at their best to reach Northern Colorado. So the implications are very high. There are souls existing around us, lives being lived and died, needing the love of Jesus desperately, and the church is the only people that will share it with them. So this is a mission worth spending ourselves for. This all connects to a little bit of what we talked about last week, that it's, it's hard, and so we need to steal our courage. It's kind of like a spiritual call to arms, as someone shared with me and reflected with me. But things that matter, missions that matter, they're hard. And we need to live as missionaries that are called to give our lives, spend our lives for this mission. Each of us that call this church home, Timberline Church home, each of us, in some way, shape, or form, we're not gonna serve in the same way as serve one another, but each of us has to follow the Jesus call and model to serve. We have to be about other people. Otherwise, our faith and our, our practices just turn toxic. Each of us have to serve in some way, shape, or form. So I wanna do something. I want you to grab the, connect, or sorry, the volunteer card. There's a volunteer card in the seat back in front of you. You can grab it, it won't bite. If you're in the front row, you can just grab one right behind you. Go ahead and grab that and look it over. This, this, this has general volunteer opportunities. We call them volunteer groups. You could all, also call them volunteer teams because as Jan Springer actually pointed out to me this past weekend when, when we were reflecting on this, she said, these aren't, people need to know that these aren't just gaps that we need to fill as a church. These are teams that you get to be a part of. You're known, your place on this team matters. If you don't show up and bring your contribution and bring your best, it matters to the team. So that's why, yeah, these can absolutely be called teams. And here's the thing. When we call the people of Timberline Church to volunteer, I'm not just gonna give you the honeymoon version, the Twitter-pated version where we're all just so in love with one another and volunteering is so fulfilling. I'm gonna also tell you, if you sign up for a volunteer team, it's gonna make an impact on your calendar. It will. Let me tell you something else, maybe even more shocking. You're gonna get to be involved with messy people because we're all messy. We're all trying to be real, as Pastor Derry was talking about. Spending our lives serving one another can be both hard and worth it. That's what Jesus showed us. And it's how the people of Northern Colorado are gonna be reached with the life and love of Jesus by people saying, hey, I'm in. How you serve, how I serve, how the person next to you serve, it may be very diverse. It should be very diverse, but church, we need to follow Jesus. We need to follow his lead in serving, and we wanna equip you with that opportunity to do that. So you can fill out that card. You can say, I don't know where to start. Would you help me? Where's the greatest need? Or, or will someone have a conversation with me about, about maybe my unique passions? Do that. Fill out those cards, use that card, turn it in to the Welcome Center. We'd love to pray over these cards and do our job in releasing you to God's call on your life. Now, we don't do this spending our lives doing Christ-like service to be better. We don't live out these five core values out of mere obligation. 
In fact, the, if, if the focus is just on doing things, then we've missed the heartbeat of the mission in the first place. There's always this tension of what comes first. And I wanna make it abundantly clear that we all must be completely full of the gospel declaration of salvation in order to serve. If you're trying to serve from an empty cup, I don't know what faith is, but I'm, I'm trying to pour it out in this world. It's gonna be difficult to impossible. So each of us first needs to know that the gospel needs to be held by you and it needs to fill you. And maybe you're in that point where, where I'm still filling my cup with the gospel, the reality of who Jesus is, and that's a great place to be. We are so glad that you're here. And more and more as you rub shoulders with people and you hear the gospel, it fills you and it fills you and ultimately it overflows. And that overflow right there, as messy as it might be, that's our service. That's how and why we serve. We don't serve from an empty cup. We serve, God, God, fill me with your knowledge, your movement in me and through me and allow that to overflow. So with the, when I'm spending my life, it's not by sheer willpower. As Pastor Derry said, it's not by trying harder. It's by the gospel filling me and filling me and filling me to the point of overflow. So let me pray over that, over you and over me. God, I know that, that these last couple of weeks have been pretty hard and pretty challenging as we talk about preparing, stealing our courage, preparing for the worst even, and, and this week, spending our lives and living out these core values. I pray, God, that we would not be people that would, would resort to doing more or trying harder. Because in the end, that's, that's not what you're asking of us. You're asking us to look at you you're asking us to see you and allow you to, to fill our lives. Read Philippians 2 if we want more and more of an understanding of what's the why and the how behind me serving. I don't feel like I can give any more in this life. We're called to receive more before the overflow. God, I pray for people here in person and online that need one of those start overs that Pastor Derry was talking about with that illustration with his granddaughter. People that feel that, man, it would be nice to just tear that page, crumple it up and throw it away and say, I'm gonna start over. And the world and our flesh would tell us, no, you have to pick that back up and see what you've done and, and focus on your mistakes. But the gospel says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. A start over is only possible by your blood, Jesus. That's the gospel that fills us, that allows us to know that you make all things new. You're a miracle working God. And so I pray that you would fill me any aspect of my life that still has a capacity for volume. Would you just fill me entirely so that, that when I do things as an active faith, I do them out of the overflow. I pray that for my brothers and sisters. I pray that they would not feel the pressure to, to try harder, but to be more filled. And then you overflow. That's what you do. In your name, for your glory, we pray. Amen. We hope you encountered the love and power 
power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit TimberlineChurch.org connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.